fantasy and some flights. Exploring the realms of beer, board games, books, and bourbon. Welcome to another Fireside episode from the Fantasy and Some Flights podcast. I'm Nelson. I'm Dalton. And today we are going to talk to you about kind of some of the things that we've been reading and Gen Con. So Gen Con 2021. Gen Con's the, on the list. The best, four ga- blech, the best four days in gaming. Or I guess they like call themselves that. So mm. it's slightly arrogant, but also very true. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so... Yeah. Satisfaction not guaranteed, but also it's guaranteed. <laughs> but low key, it's guaranteed. Um, yep. I, I'm really excited to talk. We haven't done a fireside episode in a while, so I, I'm excited to kind of talk about you know what we've been doing and all the games and books that we've been reading. But before mm-hmm. we do that, let's talk kind of quickly about what is on our flight tonight. So Dalton, what are you drinking? So I am drinking Tommy Knocker, um, and I guess that's a. It just says Tommy Knocker. Okay, Tommy Knocker Brewery and Pub. So apparently they're pub. Oh, okay. There you go. Um, they're from Idaho Springs, Colorado, um, and this is their Maple Nut Brown Ale. Um, that so sounds it's, delicious. It is actually really tasty. Um, the maple comes from. Uh, it has a a bit of maple. It's brewed with a bit of maple syrup, a touch of maple syrup, as it says. Yeah. So that'll work. Really leaning into the sweetness that's already inherent in <laughs> in a brown. Um, but this is my like fall pickup, you know. Um, as we're starting to enter into the fall months, a brown is a nice, soft, easy, casual drink. Um, and so I've been kind of looking forward to, to busting it open. It's it's tasty. It's nice. It's a good beer for sitting here and chatting with you kind of thing. Awesome. Yeah. I'd give it three cheers. Three cheers? Very cool. It looks like... I know I know our... I was about to say viewers, but that's exactly what they are not. Can't see right. it. But it looks like a very like uh, creamy beer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It looks smooth. It is, yeah. Which is funny to say like that it looks smooth, you know? Yeah. It looks like it feels smooth. <laughs> um, but it does. Like it, you know, a part of it, I think, is just like the way that the foam sits on it and everything. Um, if someone had told me that it was like a creamy ale, I would have, you know, just like, I, if someone told me that and then handed it to me, I totally would have believed them. Um, but it's definitely coming from the maple syrup, you know, that extra sugar. Ah, uh, so, gotcha. Mm, very nice. tasty. What about you? So I am drinking a whiskey that i did not realize i liked as much as i do um (laughs) and it is jameson and oh my gosh like i don't know what it is i just like i picked up a bottle of jameson and i just started drinking and it's so easy to drink it's disgustingly easy to drink so yeah i'm drinking jameson tonight because i picked up another bottle because the other one was got finished and so (laughs) i am back this is now a four cheers for me because i don't ever see myself not having this in my cupboard it's just, oh, that's good it's just like a really, kind of like, you know, what we were talking about. Irish whiskeys, very smooth, just easy to drink. And Jameson, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, just like, ah, it just, it feels great. And it's super yep. cheap. It's, I don't know. It's just, it's just a really good one to have around. Really easy to sip on. Yeah. So Jameson it is. I think that's like the best part. Yeah, right. I think that's the best part of it is like when you start to lean into it and you like, like it and you're like, wait, this is so cheap. Like I, can, yeah, right? <laughs> I don't have to feel bad about drinking this. Right. I can drink like within, you know, within responsibility. Like I can no. drink as much of it as I want because it's, not, <laughs> it's really not going to break the bank. It's totally fine. Oh yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so I'm drinking Jameson because I was like, you Sweet. know, we, I don't know if we've ever actually had it as a drink on the podcast. I know we did it in the whiskey tasting episode, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so that's what I'm drinking. I'm trying to think if we did, because we had an Irish, I, I know, but I believe we had Sexton, but oh, I could be did. totally wrong. we did. We did have Sexton. Did we? 
Okay, well... Wink, wink. We had the sexton. Well, I think we have to do another whiskey episode then. That I can get by. <laughs> we have to be in person in order to do okay. it. Okay. Well, actually, not technically. I guess I, we could each purchase like eight bottles of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Just get hammered by ourselves in our room. That's right. Oh, no. Well, this got depressing and sad. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Alrighty. But anyways, let's uh let's move on into kind of what we've been talking slash playing. Dalton, what have... What, What's what have you been reading? What's been on your your mind? Have you been reading slash watching anything recently? I read a book, a, f- a physical copy. Again, what? we're doing really well with those, right? Um, yeah, I actually, we, have to have like both a are. bookmark. I I totally have not fallen off the deep end and stopped. You really? You were reading like Star Wars? I was and doing stuff. really good, and then I I stopped. I don't know. I I when I pick it up, I read a lot and then I put it down and I just kind of forget about how fun it was to read again. So yeah, yes, but I'm, I'm when I was like in high school, thank you. When I was in, well, actually even before high school, just growing up as a kid, we always read before bed. Like it was like the thing that you did at bedtime when we were kids. Um, and I kind of like kept that habit through college. And then at some point I dropped it. Um, and I've kind of over like the last year tried to like pick that back up again. That's a good um, habit to be in. Yeah, for sure. It helps me like kind of like calm down. It gives me something to like look forward to at the end of the night. Get you um, away from the book your I'm screen. Because like that's yeah. super not great for you right before bed. Absolutely, yeah. The only bad part about it is that you start to get sleepy. And so sometimes I have to like back up a page <laughs> or two. Like, what was happening? And then the other bad thing is like sometimes the book gets really exciting. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, staying up way later Well, than I'm you not should. going to bed anymore. Right, exactly. Um, that did not happen with this most recent oh, book. Oh, no. Um, this most recent book I read was terrible. Um, not terrible. Terrible, I think a terrible book I would stop reading. This book like met <laughs> this the absolute years. bare minimum, <laughs> like maybe a two tiers. Like it met the bare minimum for me to finish it. Right. And only because like I just wanted to like have said that I finished okay. it, I guess. Um, Alrighty. So this is a lot of buildup. I'm excited to hear what it is now. <laughs> right. right. And the funny thing is, it's a book I own. I don't like remember buying it or like why I have it, but it was on my bookshelf. And I was like looking at my bookshelf, like wanting a book to read because I'd finished another book. And I was like, what, you know, what is this book? I don't remember it. And I read the back of it and I was like, I don't remember this at all. Um, so it's called <laughs> Kathani and it's by um, Eric Brown. Kathani. Yeah, it's actually, <laughs> that's uh, what, honestly one reason I picked it up. Because, <laughs> so what Nelson is referencing is like, a, they're a race of people. Oh, wait, no. I think it's. Is it the race? Is it the martial arts style? I think it's what is the, actual the martial name? arts style. I think it's the, I think, yeah, I think it's the martial arts style of a, civilization in name of the wind series yep <laughs> in killer chronicles um and in the audiobook is a really funny way of saying it with like an accent it's like Kitani, like that um and it has like an accent but the even like the book i think it has like an accent on the a now that i'm thinking about it so like <laughs> it really is like that but the the concept also is really interesting which is why the book was so disappointing so like the concept is that like an alien race comes to earth and they are like way advanced like cr- like they're gods basically okay um and they have the technological power to sort of like implant somebody, like download their consciousness basically, and you like live with this implant. And then when you die, they like recreate you. Okay. And you get to okay. like go on living. So they basically have like used this as a technology to have eternal life basically. Because oh, anytime somebody okay. dies, they just like make them a new body and they just download their consciousness into that body. So they should like show up on earth and they like offer that to humans. They're like, hey, we have this, like, do you want it? Deal is, if you take it, then, like, we ask that you come help us be, like, peaceful ambassadors to, like, the rest of the universe or whatever. Like, you got to come work for the Kathani. That's a fair trade. Right. And, but it's also, like, kind of optional. Like, you don't have to. But, like, <laughs> it's strongly encouraged, but, like, you don't have we'll to. Well, ask nicely. Twice. Right. For you to come. Basically. 
but also like i think they're they're kind of playing the long game they're like you're gonna live forever so like eventually you know <laughs> yeah right okay <laughs> like we don't need somebody right now if you want to come in like 300 years that's fine um, <laughs> we got all the time in the world literally and so they're like this super benevolent race right and so the story is basically like t- a it's like 10 short stories of like a group of friends who live in like a small town in England and just like how their lives are like affected by this new reality. And I always struggle with like short story setups, right? Because it's harder to connect to characters. It's harder to feel like you're getting like a total story arc or versus just like being broke up into 10 individual stories. But, and this one I think especially struggled with like having, trying to tackle so many um, with friends who were supposed to be in a group, like keeping those characters like distinct was a real struggle. And so it felt like every time you were hearing the same character tell a story. It was just like supposed to be somebody else, but you're like, I really can't tell these two right, yeah. characters apart, you know? Um, like all the time they would be like, Oh yeah. Then this person says something who was like in, you know, the dude from story number one or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> I don't remember who that is. Yeah. Like, is he the dude whose wife left him or is he the other <laughs> dude whose wife left him? Or is he the actual third guy in the story whose wife left him? Like three of the 10, like revolved around this. It mechanic. sounds like this author has some, you know, he's bringing his personal life into the story that he's writing. Or I think there's I, maybe some projection going on into the story. Oh, no. Definitely. Well, that's that's too bad. Anyways. Yeah, I, f- I kind of felt for him at the end. I was like, man, are you a sad man? Because you sound very sad. Well, that's, that's unfortunate. Okay, so. Yeah. But, like, I, I don't know. They, like I said, the concept was so interesting. Like, you know. It does sound interesting. Um, it sounds like a cool, like, Starfinder slash, like, RPG futuristic theme. Right, yeah. like you could like do that for new players, and you know, like they get to be reborn, so it's kind of a easier. I don't know. It, it sounds like a really interesting setup to a story. Yeah, for sure. I think it would have been more successful if he focused actually like more on the alien race. Like they were sort of actually just in the background, just like the backdrop gotcha. and the driving force for the conflict in the story. But they weren't actually like characters, and they didn't get any like development and like at one point one of them as like a side comment said like not everyone is like is like a friend to us in the universe or something like that and it's like whoa like that sounds super interesting and that was just never followed up on. oh nice okay cool yeah and it was like well that actually sounds a lot better than you know chris going through a divorce or whatever (laughs) um yeah and i don't know but like again like what would happen to religion right like okay well maybe religious people would not want to be implanted because like now they're gonna never gonna meet god because they right yeah everlasting or whatever so they're right. going to meet god um so like then how does that work out like there was one i think the most interesting setup for the story was a husband and wife who surprise surprise they got divorced um <laughs> i think that wasn't even one of the four like that is actually a fourth one because <laughs> that happened at the beginning oh, of like geez. the story it was like wow. that had already happened okay. by the time the story had started um but they had a daughter together and the wife was super religious and did not want to be implanted. And the husband was not religious and he did want her implanted and she had terminal cancer. Right. The, so she's like on a, the daughter, the daughter. Well, ooh, yeah, well, this is sad. So she's like on a, like, you know, she's on like a strict timeline and then people start making another one. People were making like fake implants and stuff. So like some of the world building ideas were really good, but just like the characters were terrible and the storytelling was terrible. So that's unfortunate. But anyways, enough talking about a bad book. Um, I did read one other book that I think I'll talk about later, but it was, it started off bad and I actually had put it down once before because I didn't like it. And then in the middle end, like 75 to 80% of the way through the book, it got interesting. Actually interesting enough. I might read the rest of the series because oh, okay. it's only a trilogy. That one's called the assassin's apprentice. So we'll probably talk about that one at a later date. Okay. It sounds like a cool title. Yeah. Right. That's actually one reason why I picked <laughs> it up again. It's just like, Oh, assassin's apprentice. That sounds like something I would like, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> that's what's been up for me. What's been going on for you. Gen Con. So, 
Um, (laughs) That's right. I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So just this, uh, I guess it was about two two weekends ago, we had Gen Con here in Indianapolis, which is kind of like a huge board game convention. If you're listening to the podcast, you're probably aware of that, but just in case, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's 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 amazing. It's a great experience. Gen Con this year was a little different because of COVID. So in 2019, there were about 70,000 people that attended Gen Con. Wow. Um, yeah, it's it's absurd. It, there's a lot of people in downtown Indy. This is like their biggest weekend. Like there's yep. a bunch of food trucks and food trucks are like rely on this weekend to like stay afloat. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> in 2020, it was canceled because of the mm-hmm. COVID. And then this year, they actually did end up having having Gen Con. However, with like strict restrictions and everything. And there were only mm-hmm. 35,000. I say only, but there were 35,000 people there. Okay. So it felt a lot smaller, but but still like really big if you t- kind of take a step back. But a lot of publishers kind of pulled out, like Asmodee wasn't there, which means, you know, Fantasy Flight Games wasn't there, Days of Wonder wasn't there. Um, mm-hmm. there. There was just like a lot of big companies that weren't there, which did open up a lot of opportunities to see a lot of the smaller companies, which was really cool. Um, yeah. So you got to see like some of the companies that you wouldn't spend a lot of time at their booth. But since, you know, the, the dealer hall was probably about half the size where everyone sets up their booths. And so you were able to get through it a lot quicker. There were a lot less people, which means you got to demo more games. And mm. so so th- that was that was a plus. I also want to just kind of shout out the gaming community because I think I can count three people the entire weekend that I was there. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, mm-hmm. that were not wearing their mask or were wearing their mask incorrectly. Mm. It was, wow, that's awesome. It was incredible. Like, I was just like... Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I expected people to not be following the rules just because, yep. I don't know, Indiana's not super great about following the rules, but sure. gamers are apparently really good at following rules. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it was it, it was really good to see. Usually when I come Absolutely. home from Gen Con, I have like this like con crud, like I just feel gross. And I didn't even yeah. feel that this year because there's hand sanitizer, mask, and there, there was none of that spreading. So that, that was, that was all really That's good. That's great. Yeah. I'm sure that was a huge relief. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was also the first Gen Con since we have started the podcast that I've been to or the first board game convention. Oh yeah. Because we started late 2019 after Gen Con. Right. It was canceled in 2020. And so this was the first board game convention that I, I mean, besides HeroScape Con that, right. that, I, <laughs> that I've been to. And so that, that was a lot of fun. I got to meet a lot of people that, you know, we've been interacting with online, um, some publishers and everything. And so I spent a lot of the weekend hanging out with Evan and Alex from Being Friends. Um, yep. Super cool guys. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're great. We played so many games together. Um, a couple of good ones, a couple of bad ones. It was just awesome to see. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So we, we saw them. I saw Jonathan and McKenzie uh, from Terradice Games. Okay. They actually stayed with us. Um, and so it was really cool, you know, talking with them. They have a new board game coming out called Bark Avenue. So it's going to be on Kickstarter here in a couple of months. And so we got to see some of the concept art. They got to play test a lot of that. It looks amazing. So it looks, it looks really fun. The art is phenomenal. Yeah. And so I'm really excited. Got to meet with Chris and Justin, charity board gamer and play game spread joy. They did it like a meetup. And so we all got together and played a bunch of games. Then we met the game casters, met um, just 
a bunch of people. It, it was just a lot yeah. of fun. We got to play. You were busy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> got to hand out a bunch of buttons and stuff. And so it was, nice. it was just a lot of fun um, meeting everyone. I think that was actually probably my favorite part. Or I guess like in the past when I've gone to these things, I've uh-huh. gone with a group, but usually the group is playing games or doing something. Sure. And so I usually just wander around the dealer hall by myself. And yep. I didn't have to do that this year. <laughs> I got to meet a lot of people. I got to hang out and yeah. play games. So that that was Sweet. that was just a lot of fun. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Or what I'm assuming that a lot of people are kind of wondering is what games did we play? What 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 are some of the things that I'm most excited about that came out? Yeah, of Yeah, what's this? coming up? So yeah, I got a list. So okay, walk us through. <laughs> yep. So. There, there were a couple of games which I, I'll go through and talk just a little bit about because they're not necessarily new games, but some of the things that I bought. So I got, um, I have had Lost Ruins of Arnak, um, which is a game that came out, I think, late 2020, actually, but it was sold okay. out for a while. And so I, I kind of think of it as a 2021 release, but it's yep. um, CGE's new deck builder worker placement game. Sweet. It, it was awesome. I mean, like, I we demoed it twice just because it was that good. We played it yeah. when we got back, and it one of the only games in a long time where I've been very excited about the game. Mm-hmm. Like, like I get excited about a lot of games, but this one I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is an awesome game. And so Lost Ruins yeah. of Arnak, I highly recommend. Uh, it, it was awesome. Um, I bought... Coffee Traders, which is a heavy economic game, which I wanted to play but was not able to. But okay. I'm excited for that. I got Furnace, which is Arcane Wonders new game. It's kind of a bidding engine builder type game. So that 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 one was actually new to the con. I haven't played it yet. I really wanted to get it in before this episode, but we'll talk about it on the yeah. next board game episode because okay. It, okay, it's like a it's a quick little auction bidding mechanism that has a um a cool mechanism where you can bid and if you bid the highest you get the card to run your engine but if you okay. bid on it and you don't win you get the resources multiplied by your bid to your bank and so huh. it rewards you for bidding high and losing sometimes and so okay. there's a kind of push pull there and then i got Interesting. a i got a bunch of promos i bought way too many promos so yeah, I think it's bold of you to buy a game that is centered around bidding. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that? Because you always, every time there's like a bid mechanic in a game, you're always like, "Oh, I'm so bad at this." <laughs> like, "Oh, I hate," you know, like you just like you're like, "I don't know how to do this." Like, <laughs> but now I get time. reward for rewarded for my bad bids. So, oh, uh, see, that's and a there's good point. engine yeah. building. So, yeah, and it's like a furnace. So I think it's actual engines. But anyways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. I'm excited to try it. Yeah. I played the expansion to Cartographers. So Cartographers Heroes. Um, okay. Sweet. So that's coming out, I believe, late October. It will be in kind of the uh, local gaming stores. But okay. it adds these heroes that can kind of slay the monsters, which are the bad things that you can put on your mat, as well sure. as um, new cards, new monsters. And so it, it was it was a fun <laughs> expansion. Um, I'm, I'm excited to try it. I think the one thing that cartographers kind of could struggle from after a significant amount of plays is you kind of understand and learn all of the cards. And so, you know, the water is either going to be in this shape, this shape or this shape. So that can kind of lead to some replayability issues, which I think the expansion fixes. Um, Oh, good. But the two games that I really wanted to talk about from Gen Con, and I played a lot more 
but <laughs> you had to I, narrow the list had, down somehow. Yeah, I had to do the highlights, and this had to be under three hours. So right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but the two games that I really wanted to talk about. One I wanted to talk about because I play tested it. I didn't buy it. It's a. It's not an old game. It's I think it's a 2021 release, but okay. it's been out for a while. But I just need to know if it's good. Um, and it's Knit of Valir. And I've been putting it on our like board game. <laughs> I was about to say I, the only reason forever. I know about this game <laughs> exactly. Um, but it's a. I I really enjoyed the demo, and I think that it's a good game. I just don't know how well it would play at two players, and that that's my biggest concern. Mm. But yeah. Knit of Valir is a it's a set collection coin building bidding game, and so coin building. Yes. So interesting. It's really interesting. Yeah. So you're collecting dwarfs from, I think it's like six different factions that all score differently. So okay. just kind of standard set collection stuff. Um, but the way that you get these dwarfs is you lay out kind of like three different rows to bid from. And you have five coins. And at the start of the game, it is a zero, two, three, four, and five. Okay. Um, and you will secretly bid i'm gonna bid a three and you place it face down on your mat i will bid a three for the first one a two for the second row and then a zero for the last row okay then after everyone's kind of bid you flip up your first bid for the first row whoever scores the highest gets to pick first from that row etc mm-hmm. etc now what's really cool is if you bid zero then you get to take the two coins that you did not bid with Mm-hmm. So say I didn't bid with a two and a five, okay. I would discard the highest card and then grab a seven. Oh, so you add them together. very interesting. And yeah. then all of those extra coins are worth, also worth victory points at the end of the game. Gotcha. And so you're trying to balance where can I throw my bid? Where do I not care what I get um, from you know row two? I'm going to bid zero. Yeah. I don't care which dwarf I get, but I really need to get... I don't know, uh, a 10 coin. And I think they go up yeah. to like 30, right? Like, okay. And then yeah. like you're winning every single bid. And so it's kind of yeah. like this, like tug, push and pull type thing. And so it was really cool. I, we played it with three. It worked really great with three. Nice. I just really struggle seeing how well it would work at two okay. because you're bidding against each other. And yeah. so, yeah, that, that, that is my, yeah. that is my, it's almost like it needs a blind bid to go in or something. Yes. Yes, yeah. I put it out on Instagram. People said that they enjoyed it at two because it's a lot more kind of take that where you can really offset another person's bid. Sure. Um, but I'm not quite sure. So this is my question yeah. to you. That's also stars. like not a fun mechanic for right. you and your wife right. specifically. So, but yeah, so this is my question to the listeners is, is it good with two? Should I get it? Or is it only going to be good three plus and I should only play it on game nights if it ever gets picked? Yeah. Um, and then also you should vote for it for our game nights because I do want to play it again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably vote for it. I mean, I'm, you know, yeah, it sounds, it sounds up my alley, right? Where, yeah. I guess what, like, uh, what, like, where would you weight it? Like in terms of like how, how complex how, it, it's not it's complex. It, it's pretty yeah. light. I would say it's probably around like a 2.3. I was about to say, that's what it's kind of sounding yeah. like the kind of this midweight, you know, mid to lightweight game that has some building feels, you know? Yeah. And I'm excited to see games trying to build outside of deck building, right? Yeah. Like Dominion made that yeah. so successful and so huge um, that it sounds like it, it 
is feeling like dominion in that you are building um but without like deck building you know per se yeah and one of the things that i think you would really enjoy about the game is that there are these champion dwarfs okay whereas whenever you get one dwarf from each faction you get to mm-hmm. choose a champion dwarf and these are all face up all of them are available to you at the start of the game and so okay. you can kind of build to a specific dwarf and so these oh, dwarfs gotcha. will be like uncolored but worth a lot of victory points or it's going to gotcha. be like like purple scores as like a multiplication factor so okay. it'll be like a lot of like multipliers for purple and so you can build to mm-hmm. your strategy and you can kind of rush other players to get the best champions for your strategy and yeah. so that I think adds the last kind of uh, degree that really makes it a r- interesting game. Um, yeah, yeah. Whereas, so that there's some you, you can't just play every game the same way, right? There, yeah. You know, things have to be there's some replayability added because of that. Yeah, and it really makes your makes your bids more worthwhile because it's like I mm. really need a green dwarf because then I can get the champion, which gives me. Mm. There's a champion that's really cool that instead of bidding, I think it's, I think it is instead of bidding zero to combine your two coins, you swap your zero with like a two. Okay. So you're always beating the zeros. And so like, yeah. that's cool. Mm. It kind of gives yeah. you a little asymmetry there. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll definitely need to play it at some point on like a game night or a Friday or something. Definitely. Because definitely. I do want to try it again. <laughs> Sweet. We only got through like one round. Because it was a demo. Oh, that's so, yeah, that's hard because you're not going to get to really get the feel of the game. Right. Yep. Yeah. The second game that I wanted to talk about is a game that actually being friends bought. So Evan and Alex bought this game and we played it at the meetup that um, Chris, the charity board gamer, put together. Okay. Um, and it's a game that came out this year. I think it may have come out of Gen Con and it is called Shamans. And it's not a game I have heard almost anything about. And that's why okay. I'm really excited to talk about it because it was really cool. And just the mechanisms in the game is a hidden role social deduction trick-taking game. So, wow. Yeah, right? It was like when they were That's a hell of a combination. Yeah, right? When they were explaining it to me, I was like, how is that going to work? And yeah. so, I'll tell you. Um <laughs> So, trick-taking game, you know, like you lead and whoever has the highest number in that suit takes the trick and then they get to play again. So like similar to yeah. the crew, to Euchre, those types of games. Yeah. Um, however, in this game, you're dealt a secret role similar to like Secret Hitler or The Resistance where mm-hmm. you have the bad guys and the good guys. Then there's this track in the middle of the table that basically is if there's this counter and if it reaches the end of the track, the bad guys win or if the good guys either kill all of the bad guys or uh, play all the cards without reaching the end of the track, the good guys win. Okay. So in this game, you can always play off suit. So um, like in a lot of these trick taking games, you have to follow suit. So if you had a spade, you would have to play a spade if the first player plays spade in this game, there are like seven suits and you don't yeah. have to follow. But every time you do not follow, the tracker moves one space forward. Okay. So there's this kind of like, you know, social deduction aspect to the game. It's like, does he not have any of that suit? Or is he just trying to kill us type? Yeah. And so yeah. you have to kind of play that. And then whenever all of the cards in a suit are played, then you get to activate a special ability. And so that could okay. be like moving the tracker two spaces back. That could be killing another player at the table if you kill a good guy oh damn yeah but here's the thing if you kill a good guy 
you move the tracker a number of spaces equal to the cards in that player's hand. Okay. So it's really detrimental to kill a good guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then they're they're not playing. So right. I mean, it was it was really interesting. And you played like eight victory points, so you play multiple rounds. If you win as the good guys, you get two victory points. You win as the bad guys, you get three victory points. Okay. And so it was really well done. So wait, so like round to round, do you reshuffle the yep. rolls? Yeah. Okay, so like personally, you personally get like two or three victory points yes. or whatever. Yeah. Gotcha. So it's it's a team game, but also not a team game. And like at right. the end, I think it was um, Alex was trying, or he was sitting at, you know, seven victory points. He needed one more to win. And uh-huh. he, I think he was on my team, but like I was trying to get us to lose because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's just a lot of variables and things to try and balance in the game that, I, I would highly recommend checking it out. I may have just had an amazing first play of it, which is yeah. highly you know, likely, but mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if future plays are just as interesting and exciting. So yeah, it's called Shamans. How many, what's the, what uh, player count does it go to? It's three to five. Okay. Yeah. And so I would say I wouldn't play it with three, and it was best yeah. with five. Because okay. at, with five, you have two bad guys and three good guys. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So... It was really cool. It was really interesting. We played for a long time. It was one of those games where we played for like two and a half hours and it felt like we were playing for 45 minutes. Like yeah. you're, you kind of like entered that flow state and you're trying to figure everything out. I described yeah. it as interesting on Instagram, which uh, Evan from Being Friends responded. I was like, that's a weird way to say you didn't like it. I was like, and that's not, that's a, absolutely not what I was trying to say. I just, I really thought yeah. it was an interesting game. Yeah. So Made your brain work in a fun yeah, way. Yeah, it, it really did. And <laughs> I'm not usually that biggest fan of social deduction games just because i don't really like it's it's hard for some people to lie and there's really not that much in this game because it's all there's not a lot of like what are you and just yelling back and forth at each other it's kind of like you have to prove that you're not a bad guy by playing the right cards at the right time yeah so yeah it it was really cool yeah that's interesting it's really more on the deduction part and not on like the social part so much yep yeah but yeah that, that was shamans it's published by studio h which is a publisher that I haven't heard before. And then uh-huh. the other thing that I wanted to mention, the components in this game are probably a 10. I mean, it, wow. It, the artwork is gorgeous. Absolutely. Absolutely beautiful. Um, maybe, maybe it's a nine because it's just cards and sure. Like there, there's some boards and all of that, but blew my mind when they brought it out. I was like, well, I have to know what this game is because it looks yeah. amazing. And yeah. so Shamans is a great game. I would I would check it out if that sounds like something that is up your alley. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to try it. It sounds um sounds very unique. Uh and I have a lot of people in my like social circles who really like who really like trick-taking games and that's a good like intro into um gaming, right? Cuz it's like they can understand trick-taking already. And so I, I think I have a couple people in my in my groups who that would who that would land well for. So that's that's exciting. Yeah. The the last thing that I will say about it is I am not actually sure if you can get it yet. You may be able to, but I think that they paid less than thirty dollars for it. Yeah. So like I mean it's it's very affordable. So For sure. For sure. Definitely worth checking out. Sweet. Well thanks for running through all of your uh all of your Gen Con exploits with us. It's exciting to hear. First of all, they just said it was successful, you know, that they were able to pull it off and still be safe. Um, but also that you came away with so many new games to, to try and own and everything. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a great experience. If you haven't been to Gen Con yet, I highly recommend you do so. Come say hi. I will be there next year. I'm still 
trying to lure Dalton into the amazingness that is Gen Con. So maybe you'll get to see right. him too. <laughs> <laughs> maybe stay tuned. <laughs> Alrighty. So do you want to do an icebreaker? So this is not something that we've done in a while either. So it isn't. Yeah. let's do one. That's exciting. Yeah, let's do it. Alrighty, so our next episode that we are going to be releasing is the Dune book analysis. So I'm really excited to walk through this book with you. This is mm-hmm. only the second time I've read it. And so it's been kind of fun rereading through it because I apparently forgot the entire book. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like reading it for the first time. It's like awesome. I remember Paul was a character and that's about it apparently. So, yep. And there were worms or something. I don't know. Yeah. So there's something about worms that's probably important. Yeah. And to the story. I hate sand. I, I don't know. Yeah. Blue eyes. I don't know. <laughs> White dragon. Yes. Yes. That's the one. <laughs> um, but. For that, we're going to do an icebreaker tonight, which is um, from Tucker. So Tucker said, um, and I'm going to modify it a little bit, which uh, to be fair in his prompt, he said that we could. So how would you sell one of your favorite fantasy books to someone who does not read a lot of fantasy? And I want to focus on Dune tonight. So how would you sell Dune to someone who does not read a lot of fantasy or sci-fi? Yeah. Oh, that is a good question. Yeah, so I think I kind of want to handle this similar to um, one of our previous icebreakers where, you know, what are the five games to get us to a complicated game? I feel like this Mm -hmm. is kind of along those same lines. And so let's work through this one together. Um, I'm going to start us out because I think one of the coolest things about Dune is all of kind of the political intrigue, Mm. which is prevalent in a lot of science fiction slash fantasy novels however i feel like fantasy and science fiction are really kind of geared towards like a lot of action and that's kind of what people think about and so if someone who doesn't read that they may be thinking i don't really want that i'm not super interested in like the action and you know the fighting and the the gore and Mm -hmm. there there's a lot of action in dune however a lot of it is centered around the political maneuvering, stabbing people in the back kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And so I think that could be a really good kind of talking point or kind of like point in its favor to try and get people into the Dune universe to kind of talk a yeah. little bit more about, you know, the maneuverings and all of that intricate um, kind of non-flashy sword fighting stuff. So I think that could yep. be an interesting um, way to sell it, assuming that people are just like, I don't really want big space battles. Yeah, you could almost say like, so you know how the prequels are bad. Um, hey, you shut that. <laughs> I am the editor. I can cut that shit out. <laughs> this is like that in a good way, though. Yeah. <laughs> like what the prequels was trying to do, but it's done in an enjoyable way. And people way. actually hate sand in this book. so That's right. <laughs> and they have reason to. Yeah. Um, there's also, I think, just to like build on that a little bit there, he does a really good job of making sure that the characters are acting based only on the information that they have, right? You're like they. Oh, yeah, that's um, a good point. And it, it comes a lot to the political maneuvering. Like, what information do they have access to um, that is trustworthy? What information do they have, but they don't trust it, you know, based on, like, where it came from? And, like, how might they, like, think through that and draw conclusions from it and draw and base their actions on that, you know? And it, I think, logically, I think it tracks pretty well. I don't think there's a lot of times where, like, characters make a decision where it's like, I don't see why he did that. Like, most <laughs> of the time, it's pretty yeah. justified. Um, and and it's also interesting because it's pretty prevalent in Dune, the characters that have more and less information than other characters. Like some of the characters are, 
you know, some of their characteristic traits are, I know a lot and I can pick up on a lot of social cues so that I can read the room better than you. Herbert does a really good job of what you just said, but also on like multiple different levels of understanding of, I know I have the highest EQ in this room. I know what everything is going on. And Mm -hmm. when you're looking through, you know, like Paul's eyes and he has that and how different that is when you're looking through another character's eyes. For sure. Especially considering that a lot of the other characters like know that that character in the room has the highest EQ, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Like, yeah. because they have, they know that they have this training and like, they're like, so why are they doing that? Like, what are they? And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of that going on. A lot of like really good internal monologue um, that gets described to you. Um, I think it, it has some of the better world building out of books that we talk about. And we talk about a lot of yeah. books that have excellent world building, right? But like the idea of like, I'm going to make a, book that centers around a planet that has no water right like not just like a desert planet but like a planet that like has no water (laughs) right yeah Um, and like how would the people who kind of have like naturally grown up like how would that change their culture and the way that they interact with other people and the way that they kind of like live their lives how would it affect like newcomers and the way that they don't interface with that culture well and how they kind of like stumble um how would it affect like economies and you know how would it affect uh plant life how would it affect um uh, animal life, right? Like flora and fauna, like all of that gets kind of like how it affect religion, like all these like fun from the world building episode, all these like fun things that we talk about that you get to kind of like, um, how would it affect currency and economy, right? Like every, all of those things get like played out sort of subtly in the story. Like it's not always like thrown in your face. Sometimes it is just like, you know, the planetologist's point of view and he's talking about how the planet <laughs> right. works. Um, so sometimes it is a little bit more like forward. Um, but a lot of times it's more like it's, uh, it's like fed to you through like subtle interactions or through like a subtle description of like how a bird might, a, a bird of prey might be different than you would normally expect a bird of prey to, to be yours and stuff like that. So just some, just some really fun world building throughout the, throughout the first novel. Yeah. Fantastic point. And like, even like other predators, like, you know, we've talked, we've been talking about the sandworms, which I think is also just like a really cool concept where, you know, it's almost like this timing, right? You know, people have to go out and mine this spice and get the spice, but it's kind of like a Mm -hmm. timed aspect. And so there's an element of suspense in the book, but it's not like suspenseful necessarily because it's these big flashy battles and fighting Mm -hmm. and you know you know lightsaber duels and everything which is awesome if you're already a fan of sci-fi whereas Mm -hmm. i think that dune does a really great job of kind of pulling some of these elements and creating suspense because it's like hey it's a timing element it's not head-to-head combat it's a we need to get off before this big worm eats us type element and so assuming that that is something that is kind of preventing you from diving into a sci-fi fantasy i feel like Mm -hmm. dune does a good job of creating the suspense without a lot of head-to-head action um yeah for for the most part yeah yeah that's a that's a really good point and it did you say for the most part and i think you say that because it does have action like there are fights. (laughs) yeah it's not a boring and battle scenes yeah it's not a boring book by any means um but it's not that's not how that he makes the book interesting. He makes the book interesting yeah, through, other, absolutely. through other means. Um, I think sci-fi books can be very spacey and very like soft tech, right. And very nebulous and sort of because of that hard to interface with, right. Where there's this crazy technology that you don't really understand. Then you as the reader can't really solve problems alongside the main hero. And so that makes the book hard to like engage with sometimes. Um, I think he does a really good job of boiling down what is a crazy level of technology. They have some insane technology. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he boils it down to, to some very simple rules. 
like he's like here there are shields right shields have a couple <laughs> things that they do and a couple of things they can't do one of the things that they do is they summon worms worms can send shields right <laughs> and you're like oh okay i can accept that yeah i don't know how shields work i don't even really know what they do besides like i understand the word shield um but now i understand that it has limitations and, and we don't want know, worms and we don't want worms. Worms are bad. Like that's, I can, you know, I can understand that. Um, so, so just like a couple of things that get boiled down to like where it becomes easy as the reader to try and solve problems alongside Paul Atreides, kind of the main, he, the main protagonist of the story without getting lost in these crazy sci-fi space battles and time travel or something, you know, like that other, that other sci-fi books can kind of fall into a trap with. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else that you would tell to a non-sci-fi fantasy reader on why to read Dune? No, I think they're convinced, man. Yeah. I think we got them. I think everyone in the world will now actually read Dune. You're welcome, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> we are the first people to recommend this book. Yep. <laughs> you heard it here first. Hot takes from the Fantasy and Some Flights podcast. Dune's a good book. Uh, Dune is a good book. <laughs> <laughs> and you should read it. Yep. Oh, man. But yeah, I mean, it, it was great recording another Fireside episode with you, buddy. Um, I'm excited to talk about Dune next week. So yeah, I, I'm excited to to get into that book breakdown. If you have any other recommendations or if there is something that you want to try and convince us to read, yeah, go ahead and throw that in the Discord chat. Reply to the story that we're going to post on Instagram because we kind of want to hear that. And we also, mm -hmm. if just in general, if you have a recommendation for any fantasy or any sci-fi book that you have given that successfully given um, in your history to try and get someone to read something, uh, throw that in there. Cause that, those are also in very interesting topics to talk about. So I'm For excited sure. to hear what y'all say about that. So yeah, man. Awesome. Well, it was great. It was great doing another like a uh, low key fireside episode. <laughs> yeah. With you. Yeah. It was great. Just relax, have a beer and talk about our favorite stuff. Amen. So. Alrighty, buddy. Uh, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.